And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. After a summer hiatus, I was worried, Bolton, that I wouldn't get the intro right in the first time, but I did. <laughs> of course, Nick Bummer and Bolton Pouncey. Uh, it is uh, the week of after July 4th. We are here on the Thursday after July 4th. Hope everyone had a safe holiday. Bolton, all your lungs hanging in here after uh, the summer of dirt in the air or whatever the hell's going on around. Well, it's not just that. It's like, this has been a weird summer because like when it's warm outside, you have air quality alerts and it's like 260 up, getting up there. And <laughs> it's then, bad. Yeah. And then when it's not warm, it's like rainy. And it's like, this has just been a bit of a depressing summer. And I only have like three weeks left until That's training true. camp and my well, summer's yeah. effectively over. So I'm trying is, to enjoy this last bit here, uh, but you know we'll have a good time. We'll we'll figure it out. <laughs> that is the doom. That is, we are in the doom stage of the beat writing uh, calendar, are we not? You're, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're like for NFL for sure. This is like the Sunday scaries for like an extended yes. like three weeks here, where um, you know that your summer's over. Like training uh, camps around the corner. I'm just trying to enjoy like this last bit of freedom I have. I'll be off next week, so that'll. I've that'll told be good. people this. Uh, I, I do okay with it now because I think I've done it for so many years, and it's just like whatever. And I finally figured it out a little bit better, but I'll it'll hit me in August I'll, at mm. the end of July. I'll be like, oh, I don't want, I don't want to do it. But for me, like I thought about this, it's so weird. If I go back to like the age of thirteen years old, every summer for me has been like this. We get to okay. July fifth or whatever. I'm like, uh, I have to go do football, yeah. and then it became like. <laughs> You have to write about it, and then announce your life, and then it's just like, I've been doing this for like so long that I've kind of numb to it, but totally sure. understand uh, that feeling. In any event, we do have some stuff to talk about today. Uh, as Colton, a couple weeks ago, you did write um, uh, an early prediction here, a pre-camp prediction, we'll, we'll call it, uh, on the 53, which I think is uh, always good to do, because I think it gives people you know perspective on, A, where people stood when all the mini camp and OTAs ended, which I think is important. Sometimes guys can make some more moves in that stretch than you think, but also sometimes that can be overblown. But then, you know, it can also show more importantly, usually how far some guys maybe have to go uh, to get where they need to go. So, uh, yep. Colton, was this a hard one before we get into it? Like, uh, like I, we asked it every year, like the first year we did this, it wasn't hard at all with Campbell and those guys because it was like, well, you would keep like three people on like a real team. So like yeah. every year it's gotten progressively harder. So I'm quest- I, I ask you as you go through it here early anyway, how hard are some of these cuts? So two parts for me. It was a lot easier for me to do it this year than last year because I actually yeah, have a team yeah, now. Right. So <laughs> I've been around the guys. So there's that for sure. Um, but in terms of guys that were locks last year that might not be locks this year, that was something that stood out to me. Like I'm kind of going through the list. I'm just like – uh, I don't know about Craig Reynolds. I don't know if his spot's safe here. Despite what hard knocks would lead you to believe last exactly. year, he was yeah. he was a lock the entire time. They just kind of did that point. for drama, I felt like. Um, but he's a guy that doesn't quite feel safe to me. A guy like Julian Aquara, like if you're listing him as an edge, they have like six, seven edges that could be in front of him. So 
there's definitely some positions where I'm just like, man, that, that would be a tough cut. This guy was pretty much a lock last year, and that might not be the case this year. He's got some work to do. So when you're going through this list, doing an exercise like that, it's kind of good to have the full picture in front of you. You kind of get a sense of like, you know, which guys still have some work to do, which guys are in a good place after minicamp and OTAs. And um, I feel like it was a yeah pretty good exercise overall. Yeah, it's getting more competitive, I think, in a lot of the areas that it needs to. Like that running back position, I think it's always one, right, where you probably want it yep. to be every year. I think you probably want guys to be like, oh, shit, like I don't know. And it's not really been like that here, really. Uh, but last year, more than they probably, you know, but to your point, I think as we go through this, we'll see that in a lot of positions, it's probably like, eh, you know, this guy maybe last year would have been safe. Now, you know, it's, he's got a ways to go. Okay, yeah. let's start with the offense, and we'll just go through it here. Uh Quarterbacks seems easy. Uh, Goff and Sudfeld. You know, I, before we get to Hendon Hooker, who is on, you started him on IR, which I, I think that's, you know, certainly possible here. Um, Sudfeld, uh, we have talked a little bit about him, um, but you, I know, were impressed at least by a few stretches of him in camp. He's a guy right there that we, you know, if he can have a nice training camp, hey, suddenly that looks a lot different. What did you see from Sudfeld in actual, you know, mini camp with in the shorts and stuff? Yeah, you know, even after the draft, after they got Hooker, um, I had a lot of people asking me, like, well, are the Lions still going to go after Teddy Bridgewater? Because if Hooker's not ready, we need, like, a backup. And I'm like, I mean, they kind of like Sudfeld, guys. There's a reason they brought him back. Um, and I and I get it. We didn't see a lot of him last year. I mean, we, you and I didn't even see him practice because he wasn't around until the season last got going. Week, and then, right? yeah. yeah. So uh, I was kind of curious to see, like, okay, what do they see in him that maybe the rest of us haven't? <laughs> Uh, and then he went out there and he was in total control of the second team offense, was letting it rip, had some nice touch on his deep balls, throwing with velocity, hitting Jameson Williams in stride when he was working with the second team. And then you hear the way Mark Brunell talks about him and said he's been perfect as like this backup mm. quarterback. Not only just um, a guy they feel confident putting in there if Jared Goff were to go down, but a guy that can also, you know, help coach up other guys and mm. like help Goff you know, study for the, his upcoming opponent, things like that. Oh, so yeah, they love important. what he brings to the table. And mm -hmm. so I don't think they're going to pursue like a Teddy Bridgewater at this point. I think they're, they're rocking Sudfeld until Hennon Hooker's ready to go. And that's a conversation for another day, but they definitely like Sudfeld. And that was probably one of the, one of the, I guess, bigger takeaways from OTAs. Cause I just didn't really know how yeah. I felt about him. I hadn't seen him with my own eyes and finally got to do that. Really interesting because it almost feels like they're viewing Sudfeld now as, and you know, at the time a lot was made about this because it was on Hard Knocks. And I think a lot of it would have been made about it anyway with Lions fans because people loved David Blau. And yeah. like, I mean, David Blau's a good dude. You know, how could you not after you watch him go through all that, you know, and how he plays football. But I think what the Lions were thinking when they were like, whatever, we'll move forward here. Not just because he was, you know, bad, whatever it was. You, you've got a guy in Sudfeld who I think is like a more traitsy, toolsy version of Blau. It's like he's not going to ever unseat your guy. It yeah. doesn't. He doesn't really need that to be his like guiding. Although it'd be nice, I guess. Like Blau still sort of wanted that chance, and I'm sure Sledfield does too. Um, and you want to prove it to yourself, but it's also like the threat isn't something that the starter is going to be so overwhelmed by that it screws him up and. You know, that was such a thing that I think Goff probably missed when, when David left. Like, that's a that backup quarterback, man, for the starter, that's a big mm -hmm. deal for him to come yep. to the side and be like, what did you see? Am I crazy? Mm -hmm. And the guy to be like, mm, you know, yeah, that was pretty bad. <laughs> like, or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, that is yeah. a big freaking deal. And I do think that, um, 
That is a big deal because I don't think that uh, Boyle was that. You know, certainly not. Blau was more of that than Boyle was, and he was still trying to find his, trying to find himself and everything else. So that's good. That's good to see that they uh, that they got something from him. Or I guess we'll see how it goes uh, with live bullets. But Hooker as well. Uh, a little bit about him, Colton. I mean, nothing really in camp. He didn't do anything uh, to speak of. But you know, everybody could see him after practice spinning it. We know what we know about him. That's the real deal, right? I mean, other other than yep. that, he throws a pretty ball. You know, we know that. Yeah, no, he was getting the mental reps. You know, he was kind of shadowing Goff. He was, they always put him with the first team just because he couldn't. There's no point to put him on mm-hmm. the other side of the field with kind of the UDFAs and rookies. You might as well just have him watch yeah. Goff while he's out. So you see him dropping back like at the same time Goff is kind of like mirroring him, which I thought was cool. He's always mm-hmm. by Mark Brunel or, or Ben Johnson kind of soaking up the offense. And then after practice, he would be out there. I think he was tr- throwing to Trinity Benson, who was also kind of banged up. So those two will get in some extra work after practice. Just – some light stuff, nothing too crazy, but you kind of saw a little bit of the touch. And, you know, I think his work ethic is the reason why the Lions fell in love with him, his work ethic, right. his demeanor. And so if you're talking about a backup who can challenge golf, because all oh, last year it was like, are Blau and Boyle here just because they're not going to rock the boat with golf? <laughs> like, yeah. that's what it felt like. Mm-hmm. Like, golf was in a place last year entering training camp where, like, you didn't know what you're going to get from him at that point. Like you didn't, his first year was kind of rough. So it's like, maybe we get these two guys in here that aren't going to rock the boat. He knows he's a clear starter. Um, but now that Goff kind of proved himself, you know, rebounded from that first year in Detroit and kind of had the Pro Bowl season last year. Um, I think the Lions felt comfortable bringing in another guy to challenge him like Kenan Hooker. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not a right, aw- right away thing, but Hooker does have more starting upside down the road Absolutely. than a Nate Sudfeld. So you get him in here, you bring him along slowly, see what he can do, and you know who knows what happens from there. But in the meantime, I think the hope is that Hendon Hooker can at least develop into a quality backup. Like If that's oh, yeah. his floor, that's a good pick in the third round. That's solid value. Um, and so it's early. We'll have to see when uh, training camp comes around, if he's cleared for that, if he can throw more, participate a little bit more than he did in minicamp and OTAs. And if he can, we'll see what he can do. But I also don't think the line's going to rush him, which is why I think in this projection I had him starting the year on the nfi list that's like the if you came from yeah, college right. and you were injured that's the exactly. list for that yeah um so i would be surprised i think he'd miss like the first four games which mm-hmm. you know probably. you're not gonna probably not gonna need him for those four games anyway nope you'd want to save the spot anyway for somebody else so it, it makes all the sense in the world and yeah it's just more of a because the work ethic in, is really and not being afraid and that's the thing in the nfl Okay, like that's the thing that so many guys have talked about over the years where it's like you get out there and you're a rookie and you don't know anything. And it's like, oh, my God, this is unlike anything I've ever seen in my life. Like this is not <laughs> like college. College, they bring you in early. They take you around. They, you, go, you know, your first week is like a lot of places. They make you go to class. It's like, you know, it's welcome week. All this. That's not this. This is a job. It's the first day out there. And it's yeah. like it takes some stones for a young guy, I think. Like, when St. Brown started going after practice as a 21-year-old every single freaking day and was like, I don't care who else, if I'm the only one out here. Like, that's like that takes something. Because you know the older guys are like, what's this guy doing? Like, what's going yeah. on here? What's he trying to do? And that's, you know, Hooker shows up and it's not a problem. And that's part of the reason why I said throughout the entire thing, every time we talked to Dane and every time we did anything, like, I liked the fact that he was older. I think that the backup appeal for him is already there if he were healthy that's the unfortunate part. If he were healthy, we would have seen that in evaluation time. He's accurate. He can make reads and he can do the things that need to be done to be a backup quarterback. 
the starting level is is really the question, right? And and that's something that we can't really get any read on until he's healthy. But you love to see that he has he's fearless. I think that that's what yeah, in, in the best way. Like he's not a bad, yeah. unapproachable person, but like fearless in a social working setting is such a big deal for rookies. And the Lions don't really draft a lot of guys, Colton, that aren't like that. Jameson has had some issues with that. We'll get to him. But Hooker, St. Brown, Malcolm, most of the guys I, I feel like are, are more like that. Am I wrong? No, you're not. I think you're you're spot on. That's usually their, their type. Yeah. And even when you talk to Hennon Hooker, like a few times he's done media availability with us. I, I've just been so impressed with the way he carries himself. Absolutely. Uh, you could tell he's mature. I know he's a little bit older, so that's probably has something to do with it. But yes. um, he's it just seems like he was like raised the right way, you know, just good head on the shoulders. Yep. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what he yep. can do down the road. I like that pick more and more as it goes. Okay, so running backs, um, <clears throat> totally different, except for the bottom two, as our old friend Jamar Jefferson is back in the mix. As you've got uh, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery is your one and two. Reynolds would be a three. And Jamar which I would agree with you if he's still here, would be your fourth uh, as long as he can stay healthy. And this is, you know, where things get a little more interesting, does it not? Like you said, Reynolds, all of a sudden you got Mo Ibrahim in here. Like, what are you what are you looking at from that middle of the pack? Obviously, a lot of eyes are going to be on Gibbs. We know what Montgomery yeah. can do. But what are you looking for from that three, four? Because they'll keep four. What are you looking mm-hmm. for in those spots? This was tough because if if I recall correctly, I think they went in. They broke training camp with, I want to say, three running backs on the roster, um, or maybe maybe Jefferson was there last year and they cut him like right away. I, I think feel like that that's what been, happened. Yeah, yep. practice right squad like right after that. And yeah. it was a controversial keep. A lot, some of the staffers did not. Yeah, I think that's what it was. That. So <laughs> they had four. <laughs> yeah, is the top two last year Reynolds and then Jefferson and then Jefferson went to the practice squad right away. So they basically when they started the season they had three running backs. Um. I don't know if, like I said earlier, I don't know if it's tough because there are three guys battling for basically one or two spots, depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. So Reynolds yeah. is probably the favorite here just because he's been around. But I do go back to a conversation in Hard Knocks where Campbell was asking his staff, like, would it be the worst thing if we, you know, maybe let go of Reynolds? You know, how, how do we feel about that? And immediately it was like Deuce Staley, it was Hank Fraley, it was. All these, all these coaches stepping up and say, oh, no, people would be pissed if that happened. Like, we got to keep him around. And so he listened to his staff and, you know, he made the roster. But he was also banged up. And mm-hmm. I don't think he was, like, particularly effective when he did play. Like, maybe he did enough for, like, an RB3 role. But right. if you have a chance to have, like, more upside behind your top two, maybe do you – is this the year where you kind of change course and go with another guy if you're only trying to keep three running backs? So is that where Jamar Jefferson comes in the picture? Because Campbell has been hyping him up. And that could just Buddy. be, you know, yeah. <laughs> off-season hype. You know, I don't know. They do this a lot. Uh, so that could just be off-season hype. But at the same time, like he, he said, like, look, we like the way he was practicing last year on the, on the mm-hmm. practice squad. We wanted to give him a look. It just didn't work out with the numbers because we had Justin Jefferson who was doing a good job. Or Justin Jackson, Jackson yeah. I should say. <laughs> Justin Jackson doing a good job. Um, and we just didn't have room for him. But, you know, when I was out there at minicamp and OTAs, I'm just like, Jamar Jefferson's getting a lot of touches with the first team. What, I wonder yep. what's going on there. And, and yeah, David Montgomery was out, but they didn't have to go to Jefferson, uh, and they did. And so they're getting some good work there. So I wonder if he pushes for that RB3 role. And then one other guy that we haven't talked about, uh, Mo Ibrahim mm-hmm. from Min- Minnesota. You know, I think he rushed for like 
He was a stud, yeah. 50 touchdowns and maybe like 4,500 yards in He college. would carry the ball a thousand times a game if you let him. Yeah, like man. <laughs> so it depends what you're looking for too, right? Like if you want like a short yardage power back guy as your RB3. Yeah. To kind of, you know, I know David Montgomery can do some of that, but maybe you don't want him taking all those hits. So maybe you put out Ibrahim because he can definitely handle that. Um, if you want a guy that's a little bit more versatile in that role that can do a little bit of everything, maybe you go with a guy like Jefferson. Uh, if you want a dependable guy that knows protections, maybe go with Craig Reynolds, you know? So they, it depends what they want out of that RB3 role. Um, but it should be a good battle. Like, I'm excited to see how it plays out. It really should be. And I agree with you. And I'll say this. I'll go a step further. If if Jamar Jefferson is healthy and if he has a what we would consider a good camp, he's going to be the RB3. They like him. They just do. They like him, I think, more. They drafted him. They liked him when they drafted him. They were bummed when he got hurt in the first camp. They were bummed when he got hurt in the first season. And then it's been like this. And they've you saw last year, they, you know, they went through, they kind of like jumped through a little couple of hoops to keep him when they probably didn't need to or maybe shouldn't have, you know, given yeah. some of the defensive deficiencies. So my breed and guess would be if he has and maybe they're trying to talk it into existence, which sometimes works, sometimes doesn't, you know. <laughs> but if he has a good camp, then that might be your guy because he's He's a guy that can be a little wiggly. He can catch the ball if you want him to. He can be a special teams guy. He's got speed. He can run power inside, too. He can do everything. And so I like the potential there. But, again, we've never seen him do anything with pads on for more than, like, 30 seconds before he gets hurt. It's, like, iffy on the other side of the ball. The other thing I was going to say there is that Reynolds won that job last year basically because he outworked everybody. And there wasn't anybody else that had enough talent to, like, overtake his – what he did with the work. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was oh, really challenged when, no. you, when you're out there watching them. Yeah. Not really. And like, I think he just, he came in every day and just, and we saw in those preseason games and how hard he worked. And we saw the year before how hard he worked. And I, he might be, he does that again, but I think a guy like Mo Ibrahim could have, if he's in, and again, he has to be healthy because he's had some injury issues too. But if he does what we think he can do, then you keep him because he's more talented. And I think that that's where the cuts come in. And no one is going to disrespect. And that's where I, I I would like to caution people on Twitter and on threads. Threads. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere else. And anywhere else that you shout at people on the internet. Yeah. Uh, that if they do, in fact, cut Craig Reynolds or someone else like that, it, it's probably not because like it's a a move that you need to be yelling and screaming and throwing a fit about because I would assume it's because a guy with more talent is taking his spot. And I think that's the real situation that we're looking at here with the team really at large. I mean, that's the running back is a perfect answer. You know, linebacker too is probably another one, but like there's a lot of guys in here and it's not going to be the same as it was, you know, last year, just because it was that way last year. And I don't think that's going to happen here. Yeah. I, I would anticipate a bit of a shakeup here. That would yeah. just be my initial read. I mean, Jamal's gone, right? I mean, nobody thought that was going to happen. And right, yeah. wow. So, yeah. That said, moving on to the receivers, Colton, you keep five. You go with uh, St. Brown, uh, Jamison Williams, who I believe what does Jamison count? I, I didn't count him here. I, I was at six receivers, but technically six. only five because five. Williams okay, right. Suspended. You took took, yeah. took six, and he does not count. Okay, so and Jamison will be off on the suspension list, but obviously he's kept. So the five would be St. Brown, Marvin Jones, uh, Josh Reynolds, Khalif Raymond, and uh, Antoine Green. Which, you know, I would really like Jameson. <laughs> I don't know yep. your thoughts on the receiver. Or DeAndre Hopkins, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I, I'm not feeling it right now. I got to be telling no. you, other than St. Brown. And I, I like Marvin Josh Reynolds, but 
Yeah, I don't know. So, listen, here's my thing with the receiver group. And there are a couple ways I can go with this, but I'll start with this. If, I, if I'm around say Brown goes down during this mm. six-game suspension, they are in trouble. Big at the trouble. Receiver position. <laughs> yeah, on offense. Big trouble. Yeah. On offense right. in general. <laughs> When he missed time last year, they were in trouble. Amon Ross St. Brown was like the most valuable oh, God, player yeah. on this team, on this offense mm-hmm. last year. So, especially without, and in, even they had like DJ Chark at times last year. You know, if Amon Ross St. Brown goes down this year with this group of receivers, I am very worried. Um, especially during that Jameson suspension window. Because Marvin Jones, as as big of a fan favorite that he is, right. he's probably lost a step. He's not the same player he was a couple years ago. No. Uh, Josh Reynolds has injury issues of his own. He's you know, been in and out of the lineup yeah. a lot. Yep. Getting older. Uh, Khalif Raymond was actually, I think he was the second leading receiver on the team last year. Um, like, that, you don't but want he's that. not a guy that, that like, you want to be yeah. in that role. Um, and I like, like, I do Leaf too, is a great, yeah. great dude, great guy. He, you want him in your locker room. He's a good punt returner, like all this other stuff. Um, I don't think you want him being your, be, being your second leading receiver. I'm just going to say that. And then Antoine Green, who's a rookie, he's got some some promise here, but he's he's a rookie. So that's my thing. Like if Amara St. Brown goes down, and you hope that he doesn't, and it's probably not fair to just say, oh, well, if, if this guy goes down, because of course, but same time, like this receiver position is probably not great depth wise while Jameson Williams is out, if that if that also happens. Um so we'll we'll see. Uh, I think they have enough talent to kind of make up for in, in other areas, and we'll kind of get to that with the next position here. But um, in terms of the pure wide receiver group and depth, uh, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> Got to have Jamo here, but yeah, um, it would really help. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I think. How do you, how, everybody like Cephas now? Everybody want, want him back <laughs> on the team now? I mean, it's uh, I don't know what I would say. I mean, I, I don't. It could be worse. To be clear. But your the point about the injuries is is the greatest one. Because it's definitely not as bad as it was like in twenty twenty one, where they're rolling out but these other dudes that were like didn't Rashad make the team. Perriman's not Yeah, here, this, right? we're but, not we're not in the dark ages there. But I mean, the odds of getting through one game, let's say, with St. Brown, Reynolds, and Marv, with as much as they use St. Brown, with all three of those guys healthy and not having to miss any time, that's not like. They're not. It's not ideal. Those odds yeah. aren't ideal. So to me, it's like, is this a situation where they're still slow playing, like the Hopkins thing or something else? Like, uh, I don't know what is going on. Or they, you know, they went in on late a couple of years ago. We remember they added Trinity Benson because uh, it was a you know a late cut or somebody that he found on the stack and he think he thought he liked and that's that hasn't really worked. Do they try something like that again? I, you know, I don't know what's tough going to on, say. But yeah, yeah. but I, 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 I think they're just, I think they're banking on they're they're looking at it as pass catchers, not just wide receivers. So that's yeah, where that's fair. Gibbs too. comes into the mix. That's where we'll get to tight ends here in a sec. But that would be my read on it if they don't make another move, yeah. and they're thinking that they have enough to kind of overcome Jameson Williams, and they're probably banking on St. Brown making it healthy through those six games. So that would be my guess. And if that happens, I think they'll be fine. But yeah. the difference here. Versus 2021, is that there are expectations now? So like exactly, it's a different deal. Yeah, like if you if yeah if St. Brown goes down week one against the Chiefs, and then you lose that game, and then all of a sudden you know you got that schedule coming up, you can yeah. get off to a rough start there, man. Like you really can, and that can derail your season. So well, we'll see. Gonna, 
there yeah. could be some attractive cuts too, you know, somewhere else. Could, and I yeah. do, I do think that that that's something that we'll wonder about all camp. Frankly, I think you'll be looking at those receivers all camp, and you'll be like, okay, you know who the four are. Are they going to do anything with anybody? Like who's five, and they're going to bring in. You know who knows, and it'll just be the just Sammy like, Watkins. That yeah, dude's like always like, just ready, readily available. You, yeah, for I mean, I think that that <laughs> is something that I would I would consider instead of trying to go find a guy like Trinity Benson, who at the time I understood the idea. It was like let's go find a guy that's young that's that just needs our that needs a fresh start. You know, a, a young guy who could be our own. Basically, we drafted him. In this yep. case, I don't think I would try to do that again. I would probably try to go get a veteran, like a guy who could just come right in and be like, just go catch balls. Until Jameson's healthy and then get the hell sure. out of here or whatever. And then if we need you the rest of the way, fine. But hopefully we don't. Yeah. Uh, and then the next one, like you said, tight end, uh, which is becoming one of the more important spots on the field. Tight end plus Cabinda. So we'll go with the four. Uh, Laporta, Brock Wright, James Mitchell, and Cabinda. And hey, Colton, this looks pretty good all of a sudden. This looks like, like a good little tight end group. And a couple of years ago, it did not. <laughs> like, I, it, I was always worried about the depth beyond TJ you love what Brock Wright did last year. I still love the potential of James Mitchell, and everybody loves Kabinda. Uh, this was a this is a fun one, and they got other guys. Zilstra's a tough cut. Right? It's a good room, and I was gonna say, yeah, it, like Zilstra's not on here, and that was mm-hmm. probably one of the tougher cuts in here because he's been getting a lot of work with the first and second team offense um, during minicamp, and yes, I was just yeah. like, man, I feel like they're gonna find a way for him. Um, like maybe yeah. they'll put someone he on gets more strikes some list more and yeah, yeah. I think they'll probably make room for him somehow. Got sit some guy for four games to start the year where he's mm-hmm. on the roster, and then you kind of go from there. But in terms of what they have here with these four, uh, Laporta is. I think he's going to be a stud, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he was great in uh, minicamp. He was catching everything. Whether it's a first team offense, second team offense, third team offense, he was just doing his thing. And I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, Brock Wright. Is a guy they like, dependable. He took over that starting job for Hawkinson last year. He'll probably start the year uh, in the lineup as a starter. Um, I could see yeah. them kind of like rotating. Like I think Laporta is like the best player here, like right now. But I could see them kind of slow playing him just because that's what teams do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's the case, like Brock Wright's probably your tight end one, um, where Laporta's still playing a lot, like even though he's not technically a starter. You got James Mitchell, another young guy that was kind of injured last year and. Um, I think Steve Hyden, their new tight ends coach, was saying that, you know, once he's like a year removed from that ACL, that's when you kind of really see, you know, his impact. And, you know, for an injury like that with tight ends, he kind of mentioned that. So I'm excited to see what Mitchell can do. Oh, I liked yeah. him a lot last year when, in the few times I saw him. And then Kabinda, a lot of people still ask me, like, <laughs> why is Kabinda on the team? Like, why do we need a fullback in 2023? And it's like, <laughs> I mean, on the surface, it's a fair question. But if you know how the lines operate and what he yeah. means to the locker room, like, He's always gonna have a spot here as long as Dan Campbell's in town. Trying to, like, I think I'm that's trying to case. think of like a Detroit metaphor from like the old days of like the guy in the team that was always <laughs> just around. there because like there's a lot of them, of course. That you're like, why is he here? Like he's our he's our guy or whatever. Like, yeah. and that's that's him. Like I For mean, sure. he's like a Bill Lambeerish type guy around here a little bit. I don't <laughs> know if that's quite the same because he doesn't play that much, but like he'll be. Uh, he'll be in the thread of the Dan Campbell Lions, I think, pretty much the whole yeah. way. He's James also their Mitchell. NFLPA rep, so there's yes. that too. Yeah, a leader and a guy that everybody loves, and, and he plays his ass off, and he's one of their best special teams guys as well. Uh, Mitchell, James Mitchell, Colton, is maybe one of the mo- He might be the top guy on my list of, like, who do I want to see other than Jameson, like, when they put pads on. 
um, in camp and when they start hitting because Hyden's 100% correct. He did, he didn't – I don't think Mitchell did anything really in camp physically last year until maybe the end if he did anything at all. Yeah. Um, and if he can get out there this year right away and, okay, we're going to see, you know, live 11-on-11 11 11 and he's going to block or 9-on-7, whatever it is, if he can start doing that and start becoming – you know, an asset with the, he's a starting tight end. Like that's what he is athletically. He's right up there. With, he can do a lot of the things, not quite the same level as Laporta, but he can do a lot of the same things. That's suddenly, if he can prove it, this thing looks Brock Wright's the third guy, you know, and it's like right now yep. we're talking about him. He's probably the starter, but like if, if he can prove it, then Wright's gladly moving down. Probably not gladly, but he is moving down, down <laughs> to that third spot, you know? And yeah. that's that's the situation here, and I think it's really intriguing. So I am fascinated with Mitchell. Laporta and Mitchell are the future here. I think that's yeah. pretty safe to say. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's hit the offensive line, then we'll go to the break here. Uh, I don't know how hard this one was. The five, obviously, we know. Sewell, Vitae, Ragnow, Jackson, uh, Decker, obviously, Glasgow will be on that list. Matt Nelson, uh Pierce Bacher, uh, and then Colby Sorstall, uh is the other one that you've also kept there. Um, your thoughts on this one? Was this difficult? Pierce Bacher, I don't know much about uh, Ross Pierce Bacher. What's the story on this guy? Yeah, so he was sort of the immediate backup center uh, when Frank was missing time okay. in, in minicamp and OTAs there. So, so he's I, Evan now. All right. That's an important job, knowing yeah, that absolutely. Frank's foot is like, messed up to a point where it's like, I don't think he can have surgery on it. I think that's what was floating out there. You just got to deal with it. Um, so that could cause some problems. So your yeah. backup center, you need a guy that can replace your like pro bowl guy. So the fact that they turned to him first, I, I kind of wonder like, is that just, you're trying to maximize what you have uh, there? Cause I know Graham Glasgow was playing more guard than center there. I know he can play both, but sure. it seems like they like him more at guard. Yeah. So who's the backup center? Seems like it's Pierce Bacher. So if that's the case, then throw him on the 53. Uh, but I, there were some, because there's so many names here. Like, I mean, I think they have like 18 offensive linemen right now. Um, yeah, they have a lot working through for sure. And there's obviously some of those are just like camp bodies or whatever. But uh, like Logan Stenberg, I did not have him on here. Um, Jermaine Afidi, who was a 2016 first round pick. He's on the team now. Uh, they probably need some tackle depth. Uh can he fill that role? I'm not sure, but, you know, they have him around right now. Um, uh, who else do I have on here? Like, Coyote Ewosika. I didn't have him on the mm-hmm. projection, and he was a tough cut because I think they yeah. like him, and he was the guy that um, kind of impressed people in Philly when he was out there and then came to Lions and started some games last year. So, you know, we'll see. I, but I have Colby Soresdale on here because he was a fifth-round pick, and I think they kind of see him as, like, a piece for the future. Even though he might not be ready immediately, I don't think you want to run the risk of putting him on the practice squad. Right. Um, and then I have, yeah, Matt Nelson. He's probably a guy that can be pushed by Afidi. Yeah. Uh, so that that might be like the toss-up for me. But if Pierce Bacher is your Ragnow backup, Sorsdale is your like, young guard of the future, you've got your five starters, Glasgow's here, that one other spot, if they're going with nine, is Matt Nelson. So mm-hmm. it depends what they want there. Um, he's been like the sort of sixth offensive lineman in those packages, the jumbo packages. That's a role that they go to a lot in the red zone. So maybe they're just comfortable and they want a guy that can continue doing that. But if they, I don't, I wouldn't be comfortable with him as like your left or right tackle if Sewell or Decker goes down. Right. So that's yeah. that's my no, question that's with fair. him, I guess. That's so. Fair. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I think he got that's that's about what I would have done. I mean, I remember Pierce Bacher. Now he played at Bama. I had to think about it for a second there. Um, yeah. And he's a guy. 
kind of like Graham. He's not as big as Graham, but he could do both. He could be a guard as well if you need him to, but prior, primarily probably a center. Uh, and I think the situation you're probably thinking is that you don't know, you know, Vitae, who the hell knows um, how much you, you know, we never know what you can get from him. Hopefully he's healthy, you know, who knows. And then I think Glasgow, so that means that him and Glasgow have to be sort of working at guard. And they, they're probably competing for that starting spot. So I would assume that you know Glasgow can snap if he has to snap. But if a situation occurred where Frank's hurt and then Vitae gets hurt, okay, well, what now what? So, like, you know, yeah. that's where it becomes – that's interesting. And I think that, you know, losing Evan Brown, obviously you have to go and start over there with that spot. And I think Pierce Bakker, he's a little older than Evan was, but – you know, and we'll see on Sorsdal too. Like that's the other one we got to see when the pads come on, right? Like we don't really know yeah. anything about him yet. So right. we shall see on that. Okay, let's take a quick break here, Colton, and we'll come right back on the other side and uh, do the defense. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right, everybody, we're back. Going over the Lions 53-man roster projections. Hey, also, before we get to that, well, shameless plug, I can't believe I didn't do this at the top. 
buy my new book. I wrote a book with Mark Yeah. Slater on the 1997 Michigan football team. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, you know most of those players. If you're not a Michigan fan, that uh, team had Charles Woodson, Brian Greasy, Steve Hutchinson, uh, Tom Brady. Lloyd Carr was the coach. We have uh, lots of great stuff. Michigan1997book.com. Pre-order now. It'll be out in the fall. So in any of Can't any wait of, for that. Had, had to get the plug in there, Colton. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. At another time. But okay, on to the defense here as we go. Uh, and this is the other one where we talked about on the other side at, you know, at the start, like, it's going to get harder. And you mentioned Okora being, you know, right at the top, you know, Julian. And I think we actually talked about him right at the start of, like, OTAs or rookie minicamp even, where it was like, mm, what's going to happen there? So, edge-wise, you've got it at uh, Aiden, Charles Harris, Kaminsky, Romeo Okora, Josh Pascal, and James Houston, which i got to say is a pretty damn good group. That looks yeah. pretty good to me. Really and good. Obviously, Julian's out of that <clears throat> six, but I'm not arguing with anybody in that group right there. That's pretty good. Yeah, I just struggle to kind of see when I'm looking at that list, those six guys, I'm just like, all these players I'd rather have over Julian. And why would um, you need another, you know, why would you need yeah. another one? I don't, I want all those guys to play. Yeah. Like Hutchinson, you know what you're getting from him. Mm-hmm. Harris is a veteran that they brought back. Same with Aquara. Like they could have cut both those dudes and they didn't. They just right. kind of like, they took pay cuts to remain here. So I think they're going to remain here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kaminsky. Kaminsky does all the dirty work. They love his mentality. They resign him like he's not going anywhere. Uh, and the Pascal and Houston are young dudes that, you know, Pascal was a second round pick. So that was a bit of an investment. And you want to see what he can do this year now that he's healthy. And then Houston, you're getting great value from him as a six round pick who had eight sacks and 92 pass row snaps. Like, that's insane. So <laughs> I think you feel good about that, even if he is like maybe one dimensional. Like, yeah, like that's a really good group, man. That's versatile. You can do a lot of things with, with that that group right there. And I just kind of struggle to see where Julian Aquara fits in. If they do keep seven edges, like, you're going to have to cut someone else somewhere at another position. So I think it, it's a tough, like this is a deep position already. Um, so I don't think you need seven dudes. Like that's, right. that's a lot. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of have him being the odd man out here. We'll see. I know they like him, but um, he's got some work to do. They'll have to make a decision on him because if they cut him, he's going to get picked up. Like, yeah, I don't think he's, he's not a guy that they're going to be able to cut and stash. Like, no, no, you know, that's the, that those are the hard conversations like we'll get down in here and you know like Savion Smith's on the, you've got him as a safety like he was a guy last year that I thought should have made the team and Same. like he yep. didn't make the team because I think they knew he's no one's going to take him like yep. no one is taking Savion Smith like the only people who know that he had a good camp Nick or is you and Colton and like four other the other people <laughs> out here like no one's yeah. taking him so like it's just is what it is right like so I think that that could play a role with a guy like Julian but you're 100% right here He's on the bubble firmly because you are not touching or even thinking about touching any of those six before you get to his name. And frankly, I'm not I'm not thinking about giving snaps to him before I think about any of those. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think There's that's only so many to go around. Yeah, and it's a good spot. They're that they have done a great job of rebuilding that whole thing, and they've done it. Look at how they've done it. I mean, in a, in a weird. Unique way, obviously, you get you use a high investment with Aiden that you always want to do with an edge on any team. They paid Charles Harris, uh, but they didn't go insane with it. Uh, they were smart and lucky with John Kaminsky because they got in. I think they had the waiver claim up when he happened to be cut, and they were just lucky that they were the first of like twenty teams to put a <laughs> to put a claim in for him. He's a freak athlete; everybody knows it. 
Pascal was a pick. They kept Aquara and they got lucky with Houston probably, but also that's good scouting. Like it's been unique and different and it's not overly expensive or something that you're like, oh, they can't ever, you know, someday they'll have to worry about this. But this is a really good young core of edge players. Nobody in here is like an old man that you're like, no. we can't, we can't really do anything with him. Most of these guys can do two things. Some of them can do three. Yeah. Like that's really good. And this is why this and the secondary is why I have hope for the Lions to have a better defensive showing this year. Um, yeah. In any event, Julian feels like a guy that maybe if they want to keep him around to the end of training camp, they can trade him. Uh, maybe for like a future seventh round. Like if Riley Patterson can get a 2026 seventh rounder, I'm pretty sure you can get something for Julian if you want to go that route. But yeah, he's going to be playing like 80 snaps in the first preseason game. <laughs> 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 Whatever he's gonna have to in any event. Okay, to the linebackers, which well, is also defensive okay, tackle. Oh, defensive I skipped, tackle. I skipped DT did I? Okay, where did I? I I went right over it. Okay, yes. Okay, defensive tackle. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, okay, Aleem. Uh, so we got four plus Levi on the uh, on the IR <laughs> on the who knows list <laughs> on the whatever list. Um, yeah. So we got four. We got Aleem McNeil, Bugs, uh, Christian Covington, uh, and Broderick Martin. Christian Covington, uh, talk to you a little bit about him because he would be a name that uh, a lot of people, I think, around here would. Uh, the rest of them are familiar. We'll get into Robert Martin in a second, but uh, talk to me about Covington. Yeah, the Lions signed him in May. I believe he was with the Chargers before that. Um, he had a really good 2021 season uh, at defensive tackle. Um, 2022 was not as good, but uh, was free agent. Lions picked him up. I thought it was just going to be as depth, but then you go out there in minicamp and he is with the first team defense, which was kind of surprising to me. Um, but he does have some starting experience. And uh, I know in minicamp at least, um, or sorry, in OTAs at least, uh, Isaiah Bugs was not really out there. Um, okay. So I wanted, I, so Covington was with the starting unit while Bugs was out. So I'm just like, oh, well that's that's why, just cause Bugs isn't here. And then minicamp came around, and Covington was still out there with the first team, while Bugs was more with the second team, the reserve. Right. So I'm like, that's interesting. And I do remember Brad Holmes saying that he felt like Bugs played too many snaps last year, as great I as agree. he was in the locker room. He mm -hmm. said he felt like he played too much, which uh, tells you they probably need some help there. I agree. Um, yeah. So that's why you bring in a guy like Covington, probably, and then Broderick Martin, who we'll get to in a sec. Um, but yeah, at, at in, in minicamp in those early practices in the offseason, it was McNeil and Covington next to each other. McNeil playing more three tech, uh, coming to playing some nose. So that would probably, I don't, you know, we'll see if that sticks in training camp. Like there's going to be some competition there, but early returns are that that might be your starting pair, which is kind of interesting that a guy like Covington in short order, just kind yeah. of worked his way into the first team defense. Like they kind of trust him, I guess. This is really interesting because Covington and Broderick Martin are like opposites in so many ways. Like Covington is a short, he's like built like Cansey, right? He's yeah. like a six, two something like this. But when you go back and you look at his profile when he came out, like he is super agile. Um, he can move and run up and down the line. Uh, really explosive in the lower half. He can jump. He, I think he jumped uh, really high at the combine or whatever else he tested at. Um, like he's a really good athlete who's like short squat who can get under you and just be like a power rusher like that just bowls people over and just get you pass rush like on third down from inside. Yep. And whereas Broderick Martin – has like the 35 and a half inch arm, whatever they are, like, you know, the he's crazy length. And he's a massive guy who could play a couple different spots. And then the whole thing, I think, ties together with the lean. And this is why I think, you know, you like Covington because he can 
do something that you need. He's giving he's giving centers and guards things that they don't normally see with his agility and speed. And Aleem is so versatile and so yeah, good. Yeah, he can play next to anyone. It's so funny. Yeah, and <laughs> it, that's really the difference now when we're talking about this team. They have some guys. And St. Brown's like this on offense. Like, you can put a, a worse player next to him than you normally would be able to, and that guy's going to be okay because St. Brown's out there helping the guy and he's affecting the person next to him. Like that's a lean all the way here. Like they're they're worried about Levi for sure, but it's also not like a disaster. I don't think at this point. I think they've done a decent job, a nice job of addressing the future here. If Levi comes back, all the better. If not, Covington is probably the replacement for him in terms of what you're asking him to do. And you like Bugs, and we'll see about Martin. And maybe they add somewhere else here too. They've done it every yeah. year almost in camp. This is the position where I feel like they're going to try to wait for someone to get cut and maybe make They added move. bugs last year in camp, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that were a move. And maybe you get like a higher quality version of bugs this year. Uh, yeah, let him rest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I know they like Project Martin a lot. And I think for what they would ask him to do this year, um, I know he's still has some developing to do, but I think for what his role would be is just a rotational nose. Mm-hmm. I think he can get some snaps. I think so too. I think he can kind of learn on the job and not mess things up entirely to where you can't play him. So uh, they probably like what they can do. And also when you look at defensive tackle and like interior pass rush, we mentioned the versatility with those edge guys. You can put a Kaminsky in there. You can put, um, you know, a, a Josh Pascal in there. On, mm. on third down, just to kind of rush mm-hmm. the passer and add a little bit more. Aiden can do that. I Absolutely. Probably, probably don't want him doing that, but he can if, if they ask him to. So I do think they have a lot of versatility, and they probably think they have enough here. I'm not. So, I, I still think they should probably try to look at the market um, when guys get cut. But um, going into the season with this group, it's not it's not as bad as last year. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. No, it's improving. It's getting better yeah. for sure. And Aleem helps a lot with that. Uh, linebackers. Uh, we got. Five kept here. Anzalone, Jack Campbell, Malcolm Rodriguez, Derek Barnes, and Jalen Reeves-Maven, who was back. And another one, just like he's like the Cabinda uh, of the defense, more or less. He will do every special team's job that's asked, and he will end up playing more snaps <laughs> with the restarting defense than anyone thought possible when the season began. I can almost <laughs> guarantee it, unless he gets hurt or something. But uh, this is an interesting one, Colton. We've talked a little bit about Malcolm. Um and Jack Campbell's here to take his job, and uh, he's, you know, I I would be surprised, I guess, if if Glenn doesn't have Aaron Glenn or uh, Anzalone out there starting right yeah, away. He's going to start, yeah. Um, but that means that Campbell and Malcolm are in a in a fight, and Derek Barnes. Derek is also Barnes, in man, a fight. don't leave Derek, him out. Yeah, in a, in a in a real fight. So yep. this is a really interesting group. Very interesting, because um, I think if if you're a fan watching at home, you see. Hard Knocks hyping up Malcolm last year. You know, he played well for a rookie six-rounder, mm-hmm. like kind of exceeded all year. expectations. And you're kind of wondering, okay, what's the next step? Can he improve his game? What like Where can he go? Like, what's the ceiling? But to me, it's almost like I wonder if they thought he played too much. Like, they didn't say that with him like they did with Bugs. But, yeah, you know, every time, like, we would we would think – we thought they just, like, were hyping him up all nonstop. But really, when you would ask the coaches about Malcolm – to be like, all right, let's pump the brakes here. He's a rookie six rounder, you know. Like, it was more like their room wasn't good. Like, they didn't have enough there. Yeah. So, like, yeah, like watch the hard knocks clip with Calvin Shepard. He's like, I really don't want to play this rookie six rounder, but you guys are gonna make me if you don't like step your shit up, you know. Yeah, like, that's right. kind of that was kind of the read of of that room last year. 
And now they've got a little bit more, a little bit more in there. Like Jack Campbell is here. And if Jack Campbell's ready to go, um, you put him at Mike and you move Anzalone to Will, and those are your two starters. Um, if not, you could have Derek Barnes kind of challenge Malcolm for that starting role as a weak side backer. Um, and that was kind of a, you know, when they first went out there for OTAs, even before Malcolm got hurt, it was Anzalone and it was Barnes, which I thought was kind of interesting. And then yeah. Calvin Shepard was really, and Shep does not go out of his way to just like overhype dudes, nope. but he said that Derek Barnes looks like a completely different player. Um, you know, he's calling out what the offense is doing, which is something that he wasn't doing years ago. Um, so they've seen this like tangible growth from Derek Barnes. And he's a guy that has always been athletic, can always has always been able to move. Um, that's never been an issue for him. Great athlete. It was just like the mental side. And, you know, can he does he have the IQ to play this linebacker position? And in the past, they were kind of taking their time with him, letting him grow into the role. And, you know, the returns weren't great, but. From what they've said this offseason, it seems like he's finally coming along there. So if that's the case, he can absolutely challenge Malcolm Rodriguez for a starting job. So yeah. really the only starter like locked into a role is Alex Anzalone, and the rest will be decided in training camp. Right, and the real battle here is for the future of the job, you know, is for yep. the, who's the starting two as when, once Anzalone's contract's over or, or they get out of it and he's yep. gone. Because I think ideally you're looking at Campbell and – Rodriguez slash Barnes, which one, you know, and then the other one is either the odd man out or the rotational guy that becomes your special teams ace, kind of like the younger version of Jalen, really. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really what the battle is this camp. It's uh, and I think Campbell's going to be a starter. He's going to start <laughs> at linebacker uh, probably this year. I, that's not going to surprise me if he's a starter at the end of training camp. Right. And you've got him at number two right there behind Anzalone. Not going to surprise me at all. Um, but like you said, Colton, I think preferably Kelvin Shepard would like to be able to give those three, Campbell Rodriguez and Derek Barnes, like some time to breathe, like as they go, like, I, you know, you give them some, you give them a heavy share of reps, but also like take them out for maybe two more series than you would normally take out a guy. So he can stop and watch and like absorb what the hell's going on. Like, I feel like that's the ideal situation. It just, they've never been, they've never been healthy ever to be able to try this. And, you know, I like where they're at now. And, you know, it's good to see uh, Reeves Maven back. But this is – it's do or die time for Derek, uh, I would think, here. And Malcolm, it's probably closer to it than people probably think. Um, right? I mean, that's probably fair to say. Yeah, it's, it's not like Malcolm was the, the first – but yeah. <laughs> right. It's not like Malcolm was a first-round pick. I think that's what we have to yeah, remember. Yeah, no, like, exactly. They don't have yeah. that same attachment to him, even though 100%. he played pretty solid football last year. And it's just the reality I'll, of the game. I do know Shep loves this room. He did kind of go out of his way to say, if Jack isn't ready, Jack isn't ready. We won't just put him out there because he was a first round. Yeah, they don't have and to. When he says that, I believe him mm-hmm. uh, because Shep has always kept it real with us. So mm-hmm. he did say that. And he said, I got some hungry guys in my room that want to play. So uh, yeah. I think the best, the top two guys, Angeloni's locked in, whoever's the second guy in training camp, when that battle settled, will be the starter week one. So. Yeah. And also, I should mention Anthony Pittman was a tough cut here. Yes. He's another guy that's sort of the they special like team's ace. So, yep. to me, that last spot comes down to Reeves Maven and Pittman. Yeah. So, considering I, they brought back Reeves Maven, I think he's got that job, though. I think they would do all they could to keep Pittman on a practice squad or For somewhere, sure. you know, afterward, too, if they had to cut him. Yep. Uh, corners, uh, obviously looking a lot different, as we knew. Uh, seven on the list here, uh, including a couple guys that could go either way, uh, which is good because uh, the Lions haven't had enough of that. But anyway, Camp Sutton. Jerry Jacobs, Emmanuel Mosley would be your three, what we would call 
outside know, corners. Outside guys. Yeah. Uh, then we got C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Will Harris, Brian Branch, and Starling Thomas, who I like as well. Um, this is <laughs> so much better <laughs> than last right. year. I don't even know what how, to, how else to oh, say man. it. I like The first couple were terrible, and then last year really wasn't much. And then it's like, yeah, this, you know, you've got three guys in here plus Jerry who have done it, and you've seen them do it. So it's like, okay, you have veteran football players who know what they're doing. Automatically, this is going to be a better secondary when all is said and done, I think. And, you know, yep. your thoughts on this. This is a good group of players here, especially for a guy like Brian Branch to be involved with uh, to be able to watch. Yeah. Here's how. Here's a good way to look at it. They swapped out Imani Oruwarie for Cam Sutton. They swapped out Jeff Akuda for Emmanuel Mosley. And mm-hmm. they swapped out Mike Hughes for CJ Garner-Johnson. Like, <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> like that... And I guess Will Harris is in the mix here, but now Will Harris is in a reserve role, which is better for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, like that's that's a great room. Like the, I'm looking at this room, even Brian Branch, we haven't talked like Starling Thomas, I love what he's mm-hmm. brought to the table as a UDFA. I think he's going to make the team. He's so fast. Um he's so fast, yeah. I think he runs like a four three seven, mm-hmm. something like that, four three eight. So I look at this room, and Jerry Jacobs wasn't around to start the year last year. And that's right. he is now your C B three, which is probably a good spot for him. Uh, he's a guy that can play and start if you need him to. Or I'm still, I'm, he's still going to get reps regardless. Oh yeah, but, he'll uh, play. Yeah, like your your top three, I think is set. If Mosley's ready to go, uh, we'll see where he's at come training camp. But I mean, I really like this group, and I actually wrote the other day a story about how these new pieces fit in um, to Aaron Glenn's secondary and what he likes to do in terms of playing heavy man coverage. Um, like the Lions led the league in like cover one rate last year, so um, there's so much that they can do with these pieces and it finally feels like Aaron Glenn has his guys. And I remember talking, I think it was around the Lions bye week last year with you and we we're talking about why the defense is bad and a lot of people like fire Aaron Glenn. <laughs> yeah. And I said, don't do in that. This offseason they need to get him some talent to work with because he ha- simply hasn't had it. He hasn't had the pieces to run the defense that he wants to run. And you can say, well good DC should be able to mm-hmm. mold to the players he has. These players that he had were very mm. bad. <laughs> like, these weren't good football players last year. I'm sorry to say that. No. But they weren't. And so, like, now that he has a Cam Sutton that you pay $33 million for, and he seems like he can be a good locker room presence and also a solid corner on the outside. You have a Mosley who was having a, quietly having a really good season with the 49ers. Like, you add him into the mix. C.J. Garner-Johnson has a chance to kind of completely revamp the identity and the philosophy of the secondary and how they think about the game, how they approach the game. Like that, to me, those are three pieces that can help you immediately. And then you go out and you add a Brian Branch, who is probably your CJ Garner-Johnson of the future if if he doesn't resign. And he's a smart, instinctive player that Aaron Glenn said will be on the field this year as a rookie. Like they'll find a role for him. So they have all these pieces now. I, I just think they're loaded up to finally play the style of defense that Aaron Glenn wants to play. So... To me, they're ready to go, man. It should be interesting. Absolutely. It should be. This is going to be uh, very different, and I think people are going to enjoy uh, the attitude and the, everything that these guys bring because the safeties are bringing it <laughs> to uh, four yes. here. Uh, so Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, uh, obviously the first two. Uh, Ify, uh, Melifonlu, and then Savion Smith, uh, who is back, which is uh, cool to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is interesting because, again, it's going to be different. You know, you've got – you're going to have situations where, um, because Gardner Johnson is so unique, he'll be out there with Joseph uh, and maybe three of those corners, and 
Tracy won't be on the field. And then you'll have situations where you'll have Joseph and Walker as your split safeties. Uh, and then CJ will be like in the boxers. I don't know, like in the, yep. in the slot, whatever it is. So um, I think that it'll be when it comes down to it, I think you can kind of look at CJ Gardner Johnson as a safety slash corner uh, and branch a lot two. of, yeah, yep. branch two and a lot of like three safety looks essentially is what I think we'll end up seeing here. But some of that too is going to depend on how quick Walker gets back and how good he looks or doesn't, uh, I suppose in camp as well. But uh, man, like a lot of options again. Uh, and you know, Last chance probably for Iffy, probably as well, you know, I would imagine. But, like, another one of these guys that I haven't seen much of. So there are three guys that they've been hyping up, though. And one of them is Jamar Jefferson, one of them is Derek Barnes, and one of them is Iffy. Well, and... I can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like their 2021 draft class. Yeah, that exactly. Has that the three that didn't uh, do anything. Yeah. <laughs> But I will say, that being said, right. Iffy, I don't know if it's the, and I talked about this with Sammy. I like Iffy, yeah. I agree. Yeah. We joked about this in, in uh, minicamp that Iffy is now wearing number six. Ooh. I don't know if it was just the number change, but the single digit looks good on him. He looks, I was like. He's long. Yeah. He's long. Like, you yeah. see it. I don't know why. Maybe it's a number change, but he, he was looking good out there. Uh, they had him getting some first team reps because there were moments okay. where, obviously, Tracy couldn't participate in everything. Um, there were times where they wanted. Garner Johnson at nickel instead of safety. He's kind of playing both while uh, Tracy was out. But mm-hmm. when C.J. Garner Johnson was playing nickel, if he was your safety next to Kirby. And I remember last year when he got those two starts to end the year, um, you know, the first start was a little rough. The second game, I thought he played a lot better. Yeah. Um, kind of, you know, was climbing the ladder a little bit there. And then watching him for a little bit out there, he looks a lot more comfortable. Like last year, he was just learning a new position. He moved from corner to safety. And they made that transition a year into his career. And so it's like he kind of lost some development time last year. Um, but I think this year is probably the year where you would expect to see a leap if there is going to be one. Like yeah. it is sort of a make or break year for him, I think. Um, but it seems like he's showing some stuff. They like what he's doing. And then uh, Savion Smith, like I liked him last year. You and I both liked him last year. We were mm-hmm. probably like, the only people that had him in, in our I was bummed roster that projections. I, he should not have been cut. I'll still I don't think on. so. I'll still stand on that hill. I don't think so. <laughs> Um, I was happy to see him get his chance. I was like, okay, so they're starting him against the Patriots. Like right. he went from practice squad to now you're, oh, it's go time. Like you're, yeah. you're playing for us. And it was really unfortunate to see him go down with, I think that neck injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he had a good attitude about it. I remember talking to him in November. He said, I'll be back. And here he is. And here he is. I think he's like with the second team at safety. So, uh, yeah, there's four guys listed here, but when you include Branson, Gardner Johnson, you can kind of you know, make it six if you need it. Like, yeah. I think if Kirby or Tracy were to go down, they'd immediately plug Gardner Johnson in at safety, and then they'd probably put, like, Will Harris or Brian Branch at nickel. That would yep. be my guess. Um, but they do need some depth here, and I think they are starting to build some. Uh, Iffy is still really interesting, and I think that the reason why you're hearing the Iffy, Barnes, and Jefferson, and not just because, obviously, you know, those three haven't worked out, uh, but I'm I'm assuming because all three have been challenged, like, directly this offseason, before OTAs and probably around the draft. Like, they probably told, or maybe even in the winter, you know, told all the guys, like, you, it has to be right now. Like, we do not want to lose you because you're really talented and you have a lot of, all three of those guys are special athletes that have a lot of traits. And... But it has to happen because they're at a point now, because if he is in the same conversation as Jefferson, 
There, if it were up to a lot of people last year, he would not have been on the team. <laughs> like, he would have been cut. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's how mm-hmm. that would have gone. But they drafted him, they invested him, and you've got to ride it out. The injuries have been frustrating. It's not something you can always control. Like you said, when he's out there and you give him a minute, like he he sometimes he looks okay. It looks good. Like it looks yeah. like it, it's coming along, but it never yeah. lasts. Like it's just like we need to see it for more than 30 seconds, man. So all three of those guys, those are three guys that will be heavy watches for the staff throughout camp. Like it's got to go right away because you want to keep a guy like Iffy because he can also, like we talked about Brian Branch, like what if C.J. Gardner-Johnson turns this into a whopper and leaves? Great. Good for him. And Brian Branch is ready to step in. Great. Well, you, maybe you also have another one in Iffy who can be the same thing, who can be a yeah. corner, safety, nickel, whatever you want him to be. So um, those three guys are like really possible swing players who could help turn you from a team that's pretty good into something more. But like it has to happen right now, like yep. immediately. And for some of some of it, some of them, if it's like if it's a crap fest for the first two weeks of camp, they might be cut. Like because yep. it just might be like get them out of here. <laughs> I can't I can't look at it for one more minute, you know. But like these are long term projects, and like the rent is due. <laughs> I would say probably <laughs> that's a great way to put it. Right? Yeah. Like I mean that's that's probably what I would say on that. Uh, and anyway, yep. uh, down to the uh, specialists here. Oh boy. And this is never uh, uh, never an easy task. <laughs> Jack Fox, of course, the easiest one. Oh, we like one. Jack Fox, yeah. That's an easy one. <laughs> so you go Michael Badgley and old Jake McQuaid, uh, who's in there with Daly as the snapper. So what you you taking Badgley over Patterson. But, of course, who the hell knows? So they have three <laughs> kickers. They have three kickers right now. And you they also have, have, right, uh, Parker Romo. Right. Parker Romo, formerly known as John Parker Romo. Don't know why I dropped the John, but... <laughs> Is that the um, artist formerly known as? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Like that was an adventure watching. Uh, it was really just Romo and um, Patterson kicking. Badgley, I don't know if he was hurt, but they just like weren't throwing him out there for those like end of practice kicking mm-hmm. situations. And so we're out there, we're charting the kicks, and they're going like six of eleven from oh, like forty God. to like fifty five, and you're just like. This is practice, man. There's there's no crowd here. There's no environment. There's no really not much of a defense. They're not going like super hard trying to block this. Like, and they're going six of eleven, seven of eleven. You know, whatever. And it's just like, I've seen this movie before, and it does yes. not end well. No. <laughs> so that's why I have Badgley as just I'm locking him in as a starter yeah. until we see like the three guys going at it. Because again, Badgley wasn't doing much there. Um, but Patterson, like that was surprising to see him just like kind of missed some easy kicks there because he was very good with the Jaguars last year. They traded for him, which is funny because they cut him last year, obviously, but <laughs> they traded for him again uh, just to get him in here. And obviously he had a good season. So I'm like, all right. So the fact they traded for him means that they invested something in him. So maybe he is here to kind of be the starter and push Badgley. But then he just didn't look great, you know. And then Parker Romo has a strong leg. He was probably hitting the the most accurate yeah. from distance, but it was not always pretty. It was like you would kick it like it's been like sideways instead of like up and down. Like it's just like you don't know like where this ball is going after he would kick it. And sometimes it would go through from like sixty. Sometimes you're like damn, and you're like woods. damn, that was cool. And sometimes he'd be like wide right from like thirty five, and it's just like this is not going to work out either. So. That's where I'm at with the kicking situation. I would say Badgley, the incumbent, he's probably got the job for now, but obviously they're going to battle it out in preseason. And then uh, Jake McQuaid, 
former Pro Bowl long snapper. Right. And my philosophy is if you're bringing in outside competition at long snapper. You, you don't like the guy. Yeah. You don't like your guy. Right. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. And Scott Daly, he had it was kind of a roller coaster with him last year. Um, so I think that they're bringing in competition for a reason. And considering McQuaid has a Pro Bowl on his resume and – Again, they brought him in as a free agent. Like, I would imagine he gets a job, but like any yeah. situation, there's going to be a, a battle there to be decided in training camp. Also, never forget that Dan Campbell cut all of his kickers during his first uh, 50. Did he really? Game. Yes. <laughs> so, all of them? yes. All I, of them. They, the, if you go back to the Lions' first 53, uh, they cut them all. The Lions. There's and, no kicker on the roster. I believe that is correct. <laughs> they cut them all, and they signed. Uh, I'm going to have to Google it now before I, whatever, but Campbell went on like Rich Eisen or somewhere after, uh, and they were like, you know, Dan, you cut all your, he's like, well, we're going to go for two rich. Like, like, and I think he was like, we didn't like any of them. Like they all were bad and, uh, whatever, like he'll cut who's, who was the guy they they signed the guy. It was the same kind of thing you're saying, like they invest. And Chris and I were like, well, they signed whoever it was. They're surely going to keep him. And they cut him early. They cut him early. And it was like. Okay, so I mean, he's like with these kickers, and that's part of the. Yeah, Dan Campbell refuses to have any kickers on his roster. Dan Campbell downplays the decision to not include a kicker on the fifty-three man roster like that. And he was just like, I, we didn't think any of them were worthy of a spot, so we cut them all. And I think they kept another guy, stashed him, and then signed a dude off waivers. And it was like, if that's if that if the kicking sucks through camp again, that'll be how it is. They'll cut them all. And That's it'll be incredible. another hilarious headline. <laughs> Everyone's like, because imagine back then, though, Colton, okay, 2021, yeah. when he hadn't even coached a game yet. Yeah. And it was just, he was still. They, knee, just, they knew knee, him from the kneecap, kneecap biting bite press comments. Yeah. yeah. That's all he was. And it was, and they cut all of them. Yeah. And it was, and the team looked so bad out there. <laughs> and it was just like, uh, what the hell is going on? So, hey, it's, don't be shocked. Look, that look how far we've come, though. Look yeah, how far we've also, come, though. More well, also, the kickers were the not not with spot. this job, but in general, yeah. <laughs> but everywhere else, yes. No, uh, trust trust his method. Uh, there's at least some plan behind it. But no, I would not be shocked if if none of them do what they're supposed to do. We'll cut them all and just. I'm not cutting, you know, uh, Jamar Jefferson or Craig Reynolds to keep one of these guys who sucked all camp. Like that's that's fair. He was very clear about that uh, that first camp. It was just like as a former player, I think he said that maybe somewhere along, along the way. Like, but it's also like not the dumbest thing, right? With your roster, I, I mean, it, those cuts are hard. Like, yeah, there's always a guy that you cut that you're like sweating it out to see if he clears waivers, and you don't want to even do. It. Sometimes it's like it's not worth the risk. And yeah. whatever. It's not ever that way with a kicker, usually. So, I mean, okay. he cut both his quarterbacks last year until he got, got sucked. Exactly. So same thing. Go. And there you go. I mean, you're right. It was the same version of that. So, creative cuts are likely to happen. But uh, it should be an interesting camp, you know, from a depth perspective. Like, in so many – in the last couple of years, we were so – like, and it will be this way too with Gibbs and Campbell, but it was so like Sewell has to be good right away or this is never going to work. St. Brown has to continue what yeah. he did last year. Yeah. Aiden has to be good right away or this is never going to work. Like those were very critical, you know, like, and all of these guys are critical, but it just feels like there's more people, you know, on the boat now and less pressure on every rookie to be like, it needs to we have to see it right away. First week of pads, 
or we're freaking out. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was the feeling yeah. those first couple of years, and now it doesn't quite feel as much of that, and I think that's what you want. For sure. I agree. Yeah. Okay, we got anything else this week? I think um, that's good. You're off next week, right? I'm off next week. This week I did I did a thought on every offensive player, and I have a defense version of that coming out, I believe, Friday. Um, so okay. watch out for that. And then I'm off next week. And in a couple of weeks, training camp will be here, and uh, we'll be right back at it. Very good. Okay. Well, I asked for some questions, but I think maybe I'll put those somewhere else, or maybe we'll get them later. But in any event, we'll be back after Colton gets back, probably somewhere in there. Some One of us will be on the show <laughs> at that <laughs> yeah. point. And then uh, once camp starts, I imagine we'll be back uh, week, every week. Uh, yeah, through the more regular the rotation. So, uh, yeah, just bear with us through July here. This is when we try to be uh, regain our sanity as best we can. As Colton said, the Sunday scaries are setting in for the beat writers yep. <laughs> across scaries. the NFL. This is where you miss the college, right? Because in college, you have another, I would always argue, you have another like two weeks. Yeah. For me, it was always that stupid media days in uh, Chicago. Oh, I hated yeah. it. I was always like, get me out of here. I can't be in here. I'm going to throw up in the trash can. Like, I don't want to do this. Like, it was always like, yep. I got to put socks on, you know? I, oh, yeah. But you're you're okay. You're going to be all right. We got, <laughs> remember, training camp, August and September, like August is like a long run up to the season. You got a lot of time. Yep. So we'll be okay. But in any event. Pace ourselves. Enjoy these uh, next couple weeks, everybody. I hope uh, the air quality holds up <laughs> for everybody here in Southeast Michigan. Follow us on Thread. Follow us uh, on Thread. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be there. We'll uh, be there on Thread. At Colton underscore Pouncy. And I am, uh, I believe, at Nick Baumgartner FB on, uh, on Thread. So Thread us if you want as well, and we'll be there to talk to. But in any event, for Colton, I'm Nick. Thank you for listening, and we will talk later.